Lord God, as we gather together to listen to your word, we pray that you prepare our hearts and ears to receive your messaging. We ask for your presence to be with us. And grant us this morning the discernment to grasp the lessons and insights you have for us. May your message resonate with those who hear it and may it inspire faith and love. May we live here today with a deeper understanding of your truth and a renewed commitment to walk in your ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. All right, greetings to you, all of you gathered here and online worshipers. I'm Kerry E, honored to serve First United Methodist Church in Kearney and as one of the pastors and excited about sharing uh, the message with you in worship. As before that, as a part of worship, we have an opportunity to give back in appreciation of God's generosity towards God, towards us. Giving in our church is breeze, so you can either visit Kearney.Church and click give, or you can drop your offerings in the plates uh, at exit doors uh, whenever it feels right to drink the worship service. Do you know where I'm from? Yes. I came from South Korea. Yes, South Korea is much smaller than the state of Missouri. And the population of South Korea is approximately 50 million people. In the old days, the Korea was really poor. But now it's a rich and advanced country. Additionally, this itty-bitty country managed to pop out some global companies, such as like you know, Samsung, LG, Hyundai, and Kia. They're all South Korea companies. So have you ever wondered how such a tiny nation could achieve such remarkable growth? Of course, there are various factors contributing to this growth. I believe that American missionaries have contributed to Korea's growth. About 130 years ago, many American missionaries, including a penciler who is a Methodist, uh, started coming to Korea. And these young people who were highly regarded as elites in America, you know, turned down good job opportunities and excellent con conditions to come to this challenging land of Korea, even sacrificing their lives as martyrs to spread the gospel. There's more. They didn't just preach. They built schools, started hospitals, and got the word out through newspapers and stuff about things like welfare, you know, media, media, and culture. So their message and sacrifice transformed the mindset of a nation and reshaped the framework of Korea. Basically, they played a huge role in Korea, in bringing Korea into the modern age. Over time, from Japanese colonial rule throughout wartime and the transition to modernization and democracy, the con contributions of American missionaries were at the core of Korea history. By God's plan, the seeds of the gospel were planted in this land, and that gospel has become the driving, driving force behind the development of today's top-tier nation, the Republic of Korea. In addition to that, Korea has become the second largest country in sending missionaries, so I'm so proud of it and thankful for the America as well. So 130 years ago, American missionaries went to Korea, and because of their legacy, nine years ago, I became a missionary in America. 
At the end of foundation of it all, there was American missionaries' generosity. Today's passage says that, command them, the rich, to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. This verse is a continuous passage from last week that Pastor Adam preached about. Timothy was a young pastor and close friend of Paul. In this letter, Paul offers him advice on how to lead the church and address various issues. And he's particularly advising rich people on how to handle their wealth according to Christian values and encouraging them to be generous. So when we read this type of Bible verses, it would remind us of specific term, noblesse oblige. This term comes from French, meaning that those who are in positions of privilege, power, or high social status have a moral or social responsibility to act with the generous, generosity and compassion toward others who may be less fortunate or in need. In essence, it conveys the idea that with privilege comes a responsibility to support and help others. But in the scriptures, it's clear that being generous is important for everyone, not just the wealthy. It's a good thing for anyone, whether you have a lot or just a little. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. These verses emphasize the principle of generosity and compassion that should be displayed by both the rich and the poor. When we look at the Bible verse, you know, Bible as a whole, while they highlight a special responsibility for the wealthy, helping those in need is a faith expression that is needed from all believers. In the New Testament, which is the second half of the Bible, there is a story about a group of Christians who gave even though they didn't have much. Despite their limited resources and challenging circumstances, they willingly and eagerly contributed to support the needs of other Christian communities. That's why Paul writes that these churches, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. What can we learn from them? So what made this particular church truly unique compared to others? They were not wealthy. They were enduring great you know, difficulties and hardships. However, there was something unique about this group of Christians. They were filled with joy. And they had a true reach in their hearts. And they were generous with what they had received, what they had possessed, ready to, ready to give to others. We often think that when it comes to generosity, it's something grand that you know, only those who have can do. But no matter what you have a little or a lot, being generous can bring joy. It's not that we are wealthy enough to share. Haven't we all felt the joy of sharing? 
I was a seminarian and a part-time pastor facing the most financially difficult period in my life. So even my piggy bank filed for, filed for bankruptcy. So I was in charge of young adult ministry group, which was about 20 people, and most of them were international students. I definitely understood the challenges of, a, of them better than anyone else because I was such a student. Those people usually grapple with loneliness. And besides, they often feel homesick for their family, their friends, and food from their home countries. So after the worship service, my wife and I always provide Korean meals for them every week. So sharing a meal and the bonding with these students was the one of the most joyful moments for me and my wife. So reflecting on it now, those were indeed quite joyful times. Oddly enough, I felt, it felt like we shared and enjoyed our life even more, even more when we had a little. Andy Stanley says in his book named How to Be Rich, when you decide to give, even when it's tough, something changes within you. It's like you are letting go of the belief that money is the only path to happiness. Instead, you put your hope in God who generously provides. Sharing did not create a sense of inadequacy in what we possessed. I would say God has granted me a life without any sense of financial insufficiency through his grace, his overflowing grace. Generosity rather enriches us, not just materially, but also in our hearts, right? This is an undisputable fact that nobody can deny. You know what? Here is the cherry on top of this heartwarming story. When the church folks, you know, found out about my generosity, they decided to throw their hats into the giving ring as well. And plus, those students who also volunteered at the church in gratitude for receiving. So sharing creates a ripple effect of more sharing. Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, you've heard of it, right? What do, they, uh, ha what do they share in common? What do they have something in common? That's not the answer I want. <laughs> <laughs> they both wear glasses. <laughs> I mean, that was a joke, yes. They are super rich. Yeah, they are billionaire. Furthermore, they were greatly influenced by a figure named Charles Chuck Feeney to the extent that they consider him as a role model in terms of generosity. Unfortunately, last week, Charles Feeney, a billionaire from the United States, passed away at the age of 92. What set him apart and left a significant impact on people was the fact that he donated nearly his entire fortune of approximately $8 billion to help people until he passed away. He originally had no interest in charity at all. But he underwent a transformation into a philanthropic leader after reading about the subject of giving in the book of the Steel King, the Andrew Carnegie. He was deeply touched by Carnegie, which led him to establish a charitable foundation in 1982. Since then, he has been... Uh, 
Since then, he has been generously donating his wealth to university, hospitals, and museums, and other causes. And, and he even tried to keep it a secret and used different names so, so that people wouldn't know he was giving away so much money. He gave away because he thought it would make the world a better place. And you know what? He was really happy about it. And Phil Finney once said, there's one thing that never changes in my heart. Wealth should be used to help people. So this story clearly shows that Carnegie had a positive influence on Finney regarding generosity. And Finney, in turn, had a positive influence on Bill Gates and Warren Buffett. So generosity spreads and multiplies. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a German pastor and a brilliant theologian, summarizes his theological perspective by saying that becoming a Christian means becoming a gift to one another. Becoming a Christian involves moving away from you know, self-centeredness and having a mindset of helping and supporting others without seeking personal gain or benefit. It means going beyond our you know, own interests and uh, striving for higher purposes and the greater virtues, both in spiritual and ethical sense. This has to do something with the term community. A community is a group of people who usually live in the same place and share something in common. So we are called a community-based residential treatment. This could be anything from a common situation to a shared interest or set of values. But the community originally comes from the Latin monus, which means the gift, and come meaning together or among other, each other. So community literally means being a gift among each other. So at the heart of being a community is sharing. God designed us to live together where we can give to one another. This means sharing our time, our talents, and our resources with each other. So our faith community are gifts from God where we have the chance to give and receive abundantly and faithfully. Can I get an amen? Thank you. For me, the beautiful metaphor for the church is the expression, the body of Christ. We are called to be Jesus' hands and feet. And here is a tale, but it touches our hearts deeply. During World War II in Germany, a church was destroyed, leaving only a statue of Jesus, mostly unscathed except for missing hands. As the church was rebuilt, a prominent sculptor offered to replace new hands for the statue. Nonetheless, the church members declined the offer. But their reasoning was profound. Christ has no hands here on earth, but ours. If we don't feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, welcome the stranger, visit the imprisoned, and clothe the naked, who will? They tried to remind themselves of their roles as the body of Christ whenever they looked at the missing hands. We are called to be hands and feet of Jesus Christ as the body of Christ. And the mission of the church is follow Jesus' example by healing the wounded, 
being companions to those who live in deep loneliness, and helping others recognize the precious gift of life. However, many times in our lives, we fall short of this calling. Many of us within the church live in a way that is not much different from those around us outside of us. Many of us express our respect for God verbally. But in our daily lives, we often deny the Lord in our action. That's why I think the body of Christ is not just a description of our current state, but a goal to strive toward. Can I get an amen? Amen. So when it comes to being helping hands and feet for our sisters and brothers, First United Methodist Church used the name to Love Kansas City for our local outreach groups. We join hands with various local organizations to support those in our community face hardships. This includes people who are homeless, hungry, young parents, sick, elderly, those in jail, and kids with parents in jail. Moreover, our church manages three unique programs. The Video Elementary Ministry helps an undeserved school. Garden of Eating uh, grows food on our church property and gives it to the local food pantry. Need and Crochet Group makes hats, mittens, and prayer shows for those in need. Not only that, we have a distinctive global outreach initiative known as Love Haiti. Our church helps at the most at-risk Haitian families get an education so that they can learn important things and feel more confident. This has been going on since uh, 2011 and has made a big differences in uh, many people's lives. So our generosity helps, you know, helps make these things possible. Do you recall the words that Adam, Pastor Adam spoke about last week? He had a system with five levels of giving. Some of us don't give some, anything to our church, but if everyone did that, our church wouldn't exist. Other times, we do give something, maybe when there's special need or collection. Everyone has the ability to give something, no matter how small. And each contribution represents a significant step of sacrifice. So going from giving nothing to something is a big step. We can also aim for intentional giving, which means planning to give a certain percentage of our income regularly, and often with the aim of reaching the biblical tithe, which is 10%. Beyond this, there is a level of giving called extravagant generosity, where we see our resources as blessings from God and share them with even more generously with others, starting from 11% of our income and going further. So today, we've got commitment cards for you to use. The card is poking out from the back of each chair, and these cards are about your faith journey in becoming more generous. They are like a tool to help you track your spiritual growth in the realm of generosity. We are not urging you to go uh, from zero to extravagant in one go, but instead, we encourage you to take a moment to reflect, think about, and pray about how God is incredibly giving to you and how you can be a blessing to others. So you can jot down what you plan to give yearly, monthly, or annually, and what that giving means to you. These cards will be collected in the next week on October 22nd. 
When I was a kid, I had this routine of coughing up a tenth of my allowance. You know why? Well, it's all thanks to my mom's master plan. She bugged me about, you know, bugged me about donating a chunk of my tiny treasure. I often grumble, seriously, mom? And let's face it, I just, just mini-me, I was just mini-me, so I had no superhero powers to resist. So mom's order were clear, cough up that tenth. So back in the day, I used to resent my mom for being the, you know, donation dictator. But as I got older, I finally figured out why she insisted on that tithe. Practice of giving has been a tool to boost my connection with God on my you know, spiritual journey. The generosity has strengthened my faith that will God, you know, will God will generously provide for me. It seems like my mom hoped that I would become a giving person by tithing. Do you think that God might have the same intention? I've been living out a faith journey of generosity since then. I've gone from being, you know, forced to give to giving with joy. Beloved sisters and brothers in Jesus Christ, generosity brings joy. I've noticed that, generally speaking, generous people are happy, while stingy folks tend to be grumpy. When we give, we experience the happiness of knowing that our generosity is a way of sharing in the blessings God is showering on us and others. By giving, we actively participate in God's ongoing transformation of our world, making it more like God's kingdom. I can't promise that. If you, you know, tithe, you will financially get rich. But I can promise that if you, if you develop the spiritual practice of generosity, you will, be blessed, you will be blessed and your life will become blessing to others. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we ask for your guidance and the strength to be more generous people, whether in our time, talents, and treasures. May we understand, no matter what we have, a little or a lot, being generous can bring joy. May we become living examples of your love and grace in this world and help us bring joy to others through our giving and find blessings in the act of sharing. And we pray for the strength to be generous, for the wisdom to discern how to give, and for the humility to recognize that all we have comes from you. And God, especially we pray for peace in Israel and Palestine amid the conflict comfort those affected, protect hostages, and guide leaders. We trust your Holy Spirit for reconciliation and peace. So we pray all these things in Jesus' name as he taught us to pray by saying together with words on the screen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.